Hello everyone and welcome to this special Accounting Excellence podcast brought to you from Accounting Web and the ACCA. I'm Tom Herbert, Editor of Accounting Web and in this podcast we'll be sifting through the data from our Accounting Excellence Awards and looking at the trends across the practice sector that came out of the hundreds of firms that entered the awards. We'll be looking at the common traits that winners displayed and what stood out this year in comparison with previous years. And we'll be doing so in the company of our expert panel. Uh, First of all, I'd like to welcome uh, Glenn Collins, who is Head of Technical Advisory at the ACCA. Hello, Glenn. Nice to have you with us. Hi, Tom. Great to be here. And joining Glenn is Della Hudson, author of The Numbers Business and former owner of Hudson Co., a firm of accountants. Hi, Della. Hello. And joining the trio of panellists is our very own Head of Insight, John Stockdyke. Hi, John. Hi, Tom. It's always a pleasure to talk practice excellence and to hang out with Glenn and Della. Indeed. Brilliant. Well, let's get cracking then. Um, one of the main trends that I think, John, you picked up on from the entries was something that something that you've uh, snappily called the MTD dip. Uh, can, you do, can you tell us more? Okay, an overview. We've been running this program for five years. But, and everything was looking very logical and steady over the past three, or up, up until the last three years. And just suddenly everything's gone a little bit like a switchback since 2015. Uh, that was coincidentally the date George Osborne announced the death of the tax return. We saw a dip in innovation in 16. Then we saw kind of a huge surge in cloud expenses capture and practice management in 2017. And those were all the tools you would probably buy into to cope with the original full fat MTD. But this year, uh, the expenses capture and practice management have dipped about 30% as, as things that are being mentioned by the entrants. So, so and, and I'm seeing that again as a reaction to the July 2017 change of program. So everybody, dare I say, it, panicked in TEMTD in 2017. When the pressure was taken off them, I think they've turned their backs on those grand technology strategies and forgotten about them. And I think that poses some big challenges for our members in the next four months. There's a bit of a, a sort of momentum has been lost on the big compliance issue we're all looking at. And unfortunately, it's been the dominant factor in our wards for the past two, three years. Uh, Della, from the sort of boots on the ground practitioner perspective, does this scan? Yep, there was a, a lot of work went into MTD when it was first announced by practitioners who wanted to to get ready to get ahead of the game. But to some extent, it was also the way that our practice was going anyway for our existing clients was to get them moved onto the cloud and with the the, the automated entry of whatever it was, be that expenses or the sales from whatever system they were using. So I think it, it was an acceleration of what was already happening for us. And we also used the... Um, we had a lot of clients on the flat rate VAT scheme. So when that changed, all of a sudden it became beneficial for that combined with 
the MTD requirements to use more sophisticated software to move on to the standard that scheme. That, that was our experience. Interesting. And uh, from a from a macro perspective, Glenn, uh, how how do you see this this MTD dip that John's described? I think the uh, the MTD dip is um, is partly expected because, as we know, HMRC have run through a series of trials. They've been they've been confusing messages um, about MTD. We saw an awful lot of people um, embracing um, technology and. Taking that forward uh, during the early announcements, and and in effect selling some of that through to their clients. What we've seen since then is we've seen some confusion within the marketplace. Those who are uh, heavily investing in in digital and compliance um, um, have carried on and have, have pushed that through. Those that are, have said, "Well, I'm I'm not sure what's happening." Have actually stayed behind and have not gone down that, uh, that innovation route. So I, I do agree. I think that there's a, a number of challenges over the next few months, both for those who are part way on their digital journey and, and those who are, um, shall we say, at the very early stages. So uh, a few challenges, I think, for the profession ahead. Uh, Okay, thank you, Glenn. Um, moving on then from making tax digital to um, something that's something we've seen as a challenge to to all firms, big or small, um, and that's sort of uh, learning development and, and recruitment. So we've seen people-related issues surge in prominence uh, from right through from apprentices to recruitment and training. Um, Glenn, I'm, I'm going to go back to you on this. Uh, do you see this as sort of evidence of the growing talent shortage or, or something else? We, um, we see, and it regularly comes up with a lot of our practitioners, um, that there is a shortage of talent out there. Um, sometimes that can be because the, um, the profession is, we talk, the profession has been put down for a number of years, yet it still offers some excellent uh, opportunities within practice. We are interestingly seeing um, an awful lot of people come through on that apprenticeship route, and an awful lot of those people look towards small and medium-sized practices to actually get their, their experience. So we're seeing um, people coming into the market now actually looking and looking to the small firms to gain experience because actually you learn about business within a within a small firm, you learn about good quality advice within a, within a small firm. Um, and, you know, we have also been developing a, uh, a number of different um, solutions, educational solutions to actually help our, our members uh, go forward and, and embrace this. Right. What, what specifically, uh, is there a specific example you can, you can give us, Clem? Well, when we're looking at some of our apprenticeship models, those apprenticeship models actually um, provide really great in-house learning uh, opportunities. Our main qualification also has a superb um, uh, business element and a superb case study, which actually takes people into real life examples. So we're seeing people embrace digital and embrace digital more within, within both those exams and assessments and the fact that they are also practical and business related going through. Mm. Um, Della, obviously, um, 
you I think you you went into practice originally because of your sort of frustrations around the lack of flexible working um, when when um, you'd you'd come back um, from from a break I think after after having children you were looking at sort of FD work and there wasn't there wasn't too much around that, that would give you what you wanted so um, you obviously within your practice you you sort of expanded this flexible working to your staff um how did how did you find this um the sort of talent shortage uh, did you find that your flexible approach helped to mitigate this yeah i think there's always a good shortage sorry a shortage of good people um we had two ways of doing we had the apprenticeships um but we also went into schools talked to the teachers there did careers talks careers fairs for the kids to explain to them what modern accountancy is like. It's not just about the numbers and we give work experience. So that was sort of the youngsters coming in, but we also had the flexible working, which is why I set up my own practice. There was no reason I couldn't offer that to other people as well, be it because they were parents or for whatever reason they wanted that. So we found that we got a very high caliber of applicant for our part-time jobs because they were few and far between. It did mean we were um, heavily weighted towards the female because it, it is mainly mothers looking for that, not exclusively. But we got some very good people. Um, the, the difficulty with part-time staff is always communication. So we needed decent practice management software for the official stuff and we'd have a monthly learn lunch and learn the unofficial stuff where we'd you know catch up what was happening in in the business with clients cpd people had done we'd share and also a decent amount of pizza was consumed in the process excellent sounds good uh john um you had a point to make on this i think uh at the risk of you know inflaming some some passions here i think that i think you almost represent where we are with the talent shortage and the human issue. Because if I'm not mistaken, you were part of the class of 2009 and, and, and you represented the people who kind of saw the profession was changing and left established firms to go out on your own. There was a real surge of that around 2009 up to 10, you know. Uh, up until the unpleasantness after that. Or there was it was like the crisis made people go out of big firms and they were able to set up on their own. Now you've sold out. Um, you know, there was a dream back then from the MIG firms. You've prospered in your own firm, developed your own people, but sold out. And we've seen a lot of that happening in the marketplace at all levels. And, and I almost wonder if, if some of the larger firms are doing this, not just to acquire clients, but to acquire skilled accountants if that's how depressing things is for them and and where we first saw this surge was among firms acquiring new teams and they were sort of resetting their competency frameworks and brand values and putting a lot of effort into getting their people into the new organizational culture so that's just how we see it in the numbers but i you know wonder how it felt living it that sounds as though things have turned right around. It used to be that people trained with 
the the big firms and then moved on to the smaller ones and now because people are, are setting up in a smaller way they're training people to then be be acquired by the larger ones to get that different skill set in um, and I think in a smaller firm it's so easy to keep up with changing times because almost as soon as you've decided to do something you can implement it we don't have a procedure to call a board meeting to discuss it to have a vote on it to have a a proper study of it. it it's all a lot faster which has its downsides as well but we're able to move with the times and do things in a way that the larger firms can't and it's also more appealing as well to do things at, at the sharp end I, I get a lot more satisfaction on doing things to help clients rather than dealing with in-house bureaucracy um, so I, I, I don't know if that's why other people are, are moving out of larger firms and corporate life and, you know it's just one bit of that how how employees are, are looked after Mm, great, thank you, Della. So, from from one uh, from one sort of uh, trend to uh, another, as it were, and uh, things like we we definitely saw an uptick in firms applying uh, with things like business advisory and the increase in virtual finance director services and the sort of forecasting KPI work that comes with it, as it were. Um, Glenn, is is this the sort of beginning to the end? Is these is this the sort of um, you know canary in the coal mine for compliance that that we've been talking about, or or just a sort of shift, a sort of subtle under undercurrent? When we we're looking at compliance, we actually need good and high quality business information being recorded. So, so I would say that it comes as a a, a given. That good compliance is there, and good compliance is actually being delivered. From that information, from that knowledge, you you can actually talk to your client, and you can start to give a give that um, good quality um, business advice. I think quite often the term the term of advisory has moved around, and virtual FD has moved around. Uh, we've all used them, but but actually it's underpinned by good information on which to support your clients with, which to support their businesses with. It, it's also your clients will um, demand some of that for you, but they will also expect you to come and point out some of those opportunities for them. That's been made easier by having good and high quality uh, information available to you and, and cutting down some of the, the, you know, the costs of that information uh, by making sure it's digital. Great, thank you, Glenn. Um, John, um, uh, along with this sort of advisory and, and, and sort of virtual FD work, uh, referrals has sort of tracked almost in parallel with advisory, hasn't it? Yeah, the referrals and advisory is something Glenn and I talked to our video series 18 months ago, uh, and that close relationship, you know, the way advisory dipped last year, so did referrals. Uh, it literally, the MTD effect was, was basically diverting attention and resources away from the firm's, how they could grow, 
and it was just purely solving the compliance challenge. Now they can put that aside. They're going back into the niches. And what the numbers tell us is that when you successfully deliver business niche, it's word of mouth gets around. And, and, and that's where people put their effort and, and it, it works really well. You know? so, so, so whether you're a very small specialist firm just working in one area or you're a bigger firm expanding, you know, the minute you get the model right for a particular industry or sector, you know, it takes off and, and, and people are deliberately using that strategy. John, can I just also add into that? I think I think a point Della made earlier is really important, and that's that's actually smaller firms can be really nimble and can spot opportunities. And I think that that's quite often if your management time is being taken up by looking at an area around compliance like MTD, you you can sometimes lose that um, that ability to to look at some of those other areas. And I think it's really important that. You know, firms look and take on those opportunities, especially around uh, around good quality business advice. Mm, yeah, thank you, Glenn. So the final final trend that we'll be examining um, in this podcast is around digital marketing. So this this continues to surge, um, but without an accompanying increase. Obviously, we, we we saw sort of referrals tracking in parallel with advisory, but in terms of digital marketing, we have not seen an accompanying increase in, in the usage of CRM tools to track whether the marketing is effective. Is, is this a problem, John? I think it is. It, it dipped in the past years of the, of the level of people mentioning it, whereas actually on our soft, that, that's in the, in the practice side of the Accounting Excellence Awards. When we look at the prevalence of CRM in accounting, the, the software survey, that is at least growing a bit, but it's just it's just steady increase. And when you contrast the angle of the the curves on the chart, and you add up all the effort going into social media and video uh, events, seminar webinars, it's dwarfed by about three or four to one. And you you have to stop and ask again if people are doing all that activity. And they're not able to tell us in their award entries how many of their clients and new businesses coming from that activity. How do they have any idea at all how effective their marketing efforts are being? And it's just the classic, the classic mistake. Right. Thank you, John. Um, Della, from uh, a, a sort of formal practice owner's point of view, uh, can you just perhaps fill us in on, on a few of the, the sort of trials and tribulations of digital marketing and, and how, how you measured the Yes, we did a, a lot of digital and online marketing, and we did use our CRM to track where our new clients were coming from. Because I don't know about other business owners, but I've got limited money to spend, and I want to get the most out of it. And it's not just money, it's time as well. About a third of our referrals came through social media which appears to be free, but actually takes a lot of time to do it well. So I think, you know, part of the thing behind social media, you've got all the, the content that you're putting either directly onto the social media platforms or on as blogs and so on. 
we also did a an email a monthly e-news which was partly just to keep our existing clients informed and partly to um, to to contact our our database of interested parties and invite them along to some of the events that we were running so it's, it's always very hard to identify where where your new leads are coming from but you need to to do your best because you know did they come from whatever the first contact we made with them did they come from the e-news did they come from one of the events they attended as a result of the e-news so it's it's hard sometimes it's it's not clear but you need to get some idea of what's working for you and it will be slightly different for every firm because every firm does things differently but I, I think digital marketing marketing is the way to go and in some ways it's easier to to track what you're sending out in various forms and even if it's only by correlation where they're coming back in from your referrals are coming back in from you need to know where to invest. If you were looking on the stock exchange, you you look and see, is it likely to make money what's happened in the past? And I think exactly the same goes for your marketing investment. Absolutely. Thank you, Doa. And uh, yeah, just, just to um, wrap up this final point, obviously a, a small aspect uh, or well, a large aspect of uh, a firm's marketing is, is around uh, awards and uh, Glenn, obviously, the, the ACCA has been um, kind enough to partner with Accounting Web for these Accounting Excellence Awards. Uh, why why are they important and, and why should people enter? Well, I think it's, it, it's been highlighted in their last set of comments is it's clients and actually using that successfully across with your clients. It's also, as we've mentioned, the talent pool and the importance of the talent pool going forward and actually attracting talent and um impressing teams and prospective employees as well. Um, if we're looking at it, I think it is something where firms who are successful and actually look at and think about their their, their rewards uh, entry going forward, it helps to bring that to life for them and their teams going forward. Um, so we are, we are very uh, great supporters of of awards um, and awards entries by our by our members, it it makes a difference to teams. It makes a difference to clients, and actually, it's a great celebration about the professional um, services and the the strength of accountancy and tax practices out there within the UK. Something we should all all celebrate. Fantastic, thank you, Glenn. Uh, that wraps things up very nicely for today uh, thank you very much to glenn della and john for their time uh, thank you also to the acca for partnering with the accounting excellence awards and uh, thank you very much also to producer abby for technical support um thank you very much for listening and until next time we'll see you on accountingweb.co.uk bye for now